0: All right, happy Independence Day weekend to you all. Happy July 2nd, because we're almost there. America. I'm Canadian, so I, we're, we're, it was Canada Day yesterday, so this is kind of the in in-between in ground where we're both feeling a sense of pride for our country. Canadians tend to do it one, one day a year, and that's plenty for us. So But we're glad you're with us on this holiday weekend. Um, it is a big weekend. We got a carnival this afternoon, which is why we're all a bunch of us are wearing matching red shirts. In case you were thinking we were all heading to our shift at Target this afternoon, um, but we don't always wear matching shirts. But these are our these are our carnival shirts. So we'd love to have you stick around after the service all afternoon. We got games and food and fun times for the kids. Be great to great to have you. It's been a bit of a bit of a whirlwind morning. We were here pretty early getting set up and doing some setup yesterday. So big huge thanks to all the students. This is a fundraiser for Speed the Light, which is a missions organization that the youth group here as well as youth groups around the around the state are raising money to support missionaries. Um, Speed the Light is the name of the organization, and so when a missionary, for example, our friends in Panama, Garrett and Tara Kenyon, to whom we're going taking a team in a few weeks, you know, they have different vehicle needs or equipment needs, and every time they're able to contact the District of Minnesota and say, hey, what we would love, what we could use to reach our high schools, or reach our community as this or this, or we need a vehicle for this, they're they're always able to say, yeah, we can do it, because the students of Minnesota have raised so much money for Speed the Light, so that is what we are a part of today, and we're pretty excited about it. All right, we are going to continue on. We're looking at the book of Luke, and uh, we were we were joking earlier in kids' church, any, t- any kids that show up today to church, they have to walk through the you know, the maze of fun things that are waiting for them outside, so everyone's probably a little antsy up in kids' church. So I assured them I would keep it nice and short today in honor of America and, and, our, squirrely <laughs> and our squirrely kids up in kids' church who are ready to party all afternoon. This summer we're looking through the book of Luke, and uh, we've been, we're, this is week three. We're going to look at Luke chapter 4 today. Um, Luke chapter 4 starts out, and if you want to follow along, the words will be up on the screen, but there's also some black hardcover Bibles in the pews that you're sitting in, in most of them, if you would like to follow along. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 starts out with, you know, right after we left off last week with John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. Then Jesus goes into the wilderness, and that's where Luke chapter 4 begins. He is tempted in the wilderness. We're not going to look at that today. Uh, we're going to skip right over that, but um, it's a great story. Maybe we'll hit that you know, later on in this series. But we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 4, verse 14 today. Now, what we've been talking about as kind of an overall theme for this series is this idea that Jesus changes everything. And we see that in story after story throughout Luke um, Luke was a medical doctor who was alive at the time of Jesus but never met Jesus. He wrote this letter or this document as a way of researching all that he had been told about Jesus. This would have been years after Jesus had died and ascended into heaven and rose again and ascended into heaven. He was not a Jewish person. He was a Roman citizen. He had heard all these things. He would have been a disciple probably of the Apostle Paul when the Apostle Paul was planting churches all over the known world at the time. Luke would have been a disciple. And he said, you know what? I've heard all these things about Jesus but I want to go research some of them for myself. Maybe if, you, if you're if you a skeptic here today, you can relate to Luke. And you say, well, I've heard church people talk about all this stuff, but I kind of want to make up my own mind. That's what Luke really did. And so he talked to all the eyewitnesses. He went and talked to the disciples, all the eyewitnesses that were alive during those times. And he wrote these down. So he is continuing on this story, this he is proclaiming what he learned from the eyewitnesses of Jesus. And so what we learn is that every one of these stories that Luke documents, the idea of Jesus changes everything is through it. He talks, he talks about people who were sick and poor and broken and outcasts, and Jesus comes in and changes their lives. But then we also talked about how that means something a little bit different for us. Jesus changes everything. And we compared it to an interior designer that comes into your house and starts moving stuff around a little bit. And at first, you're thinking, well, I don't want that moved. I don't want that changed. And, and you're thinking, well, I, I like that where it was. Stop messing around with my stuff. And it can be a little bit uncomfortable. And then after the fact, you look back and you say, oh, I should have done that a long time ago. Things are way better now. Jesus changes everything in that way in our hearts, where if you're a follower of Jesus... He comes in and he does a work in your heart where he says, we don't need that area of your life anymore. Let's change this. Let's work on this area, this addiction or this bondage or this brokenness or past sin or failure or whatever you're carrying around. Let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of that and let's look at new life. Jesus comes in and changes everything. So that theme we're going to continue on today. And this is Luke chapter 4. We're going to read starting in verse 14. And it says this. The words will be up on the screen. Luke four fourteen, Jesus returned to Galilee, so right after he was tempted in the desert, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on a Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And here's the words from Isaiah that Jesus read on that day. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, And recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. We're going to pause there just for a minute. I want to highlight a couple of things as we work through this passage of scripture today. Jesus enters the synagogue. Now, the temple was in Jerusalem, but every village or town of a certain size would have a synagogue where the Jewish people would go and worship. Jesus enters the synagogue in his hometown and is handed a scroll with a scripture on it, and he reads those words from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah is a book in our Old Testament, if you're not familiar that much with the scripture. And again, Jesus, right away at the start of his ministry, this is very early on, people are still kind of getting, you know, He's gathering a following. People are following him around a little bit. He's gaining in popularity, quote unquote. We'll notice that it doesn't last very long in this story. But he is going to the synagogue, and he reads those words. And right away, he's challenging the thinking of his Jewish audience, of the religious people, of the insiders. And I've mentioned this a couple of times. The Jewish people... They believed that, the, that God sent the Messiah for them, that they were the insiders, that they were the important people, and that everyone else was kind of on the outside of this redemption story between God and man. And so right away, Jesus challenges their way of thinking. And I love how he does that. That passage that he reads from Isaiah is so key. It's very intentional that he is doing that because he wants everyone to know this is not just for the insiders. This is for everybody. So those words that he reads... The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. To proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, all those people, the poor, the prisoners, the blind, the lame, the, the people who were crippled, all those people would be considered outsiders. They would have been seen as God is angry at them because that's why they're poor, that's why they're blind, that's why all these bad things have happened, because God is angry at them. And now Jesus is totally changing their way of thinking by saying, no, that's why I'm here. I'm here to proclaim freedom for those who are in bondage. I'm here to give sight to the blind. I'm here to give good news to the poor. And then he says that those words at the last uh, in verse 19: to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor for all these people. Now that language there. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, time the, the phrase the year of the Lord's favor was used, it was in reference to the year of Jubilee, which sounds like fun. Maybe we should have called our carnival that today. The year of Jubilee. Who doesn't want that? Where every 50 years, it was the year of Jubilee, and what happened was debts were canceled. Everybody's debts were canceled. Anyone who was in prison was set free. Anyone who, you know, all these things, the year of Jubilee, it was like everyone's chance to start over. That would be awesome. I wish it was year of Jubilee around here. A lot of us could use a year of Jubilee, right? Cancel all these debts, let's start over. That is what happened in the Old Testament. And so what Jesus is saying that, by saying, I'm here to proclaim good news to the poor, to, re- to give sight to the blind, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What he is saying is, and not in a Old Testament material way, what he's saying to the audience, to everyone, is your debts, your spiritual debts are forgiven. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Your past is wiped clean. I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor where debts are canceled, where if you are in bondage into darkness, you are now set free. This is what Jesus is saying. And he's not just saying it to the insiders. He's saying it. this is for everybody. This is for everybody to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what Jesus does for us. Now, maybe you are here today because you saw some carnival stuff set up, or you got dragged here by a relative saying, you know, you're visiting me for the weekend, so you have to come to church. That's house rules. And you're just like counting. You're like the kids upstairs watching the clock tick by in this warm, unair conditioned room with your fans, you know, just thinking, oh, when are we going to get out of here? Maybe you are a, consider yourself an outsider With church. And maybe the reason for that is because somewhere along the line, you experienced a gospel message that wasn't really the gospel message. You experienced a message that said, this good news is just for the people who behave a certain way, or just for the people who belong to this church, or just for the people who haven't really messed up their lives. Maybe that's why you're here. The gospel message has so often been mistreated, I'll say it that way, or wrapped up in other people's agendas. People throughout history have used the good news of Jesus Christ to control others, to politicize things, to promote their agenda, and it's been happening for thousands of years, using the gospel and using the gospel message as a way to control people, to mistreat people, to judge people, to start wars, to justify all sorts of unimaginable selfish behavior. And perhaps you are here reluctantly in church because you've experienced this. But right out of the gate, this is Jesus at the very start of his ministry. This is Jesus letting people know what he's going to be all about. He declares this, and Luke carefully documents it, and I'm so glad he did. Jesus is saying, I'm here to bring freedom. I'm here to bring light and life, and forgiveness. I'm here so that everyone, not just the good religious people, everyone can have a new start and new life. If you've ever been told that God does not love you, or that God is angry at you, or that you have somehow been rejected by God, that is not the real message. The real message is right here that Luke wrote down, that Jesus said, I'm here to proclaim freedom for everybody. The year of the Lord's favor for everyone who has debt, who is imprisoned, who is in bondage. This is the message of the gospel, and that is the good news today. That is what we are celebrating today. He came to save everybody. Okay, we're going to move on, because so far, this is like Jesus' first day on the job, really. He's gone through the training in the wilderness, and now this is like his first time proclaiming these words in the synagogue. So things have gone great so far, right? Everyone's like, yay, Jesus, we like you. But now things get a little dicey because Jesus takes it a step further. We can pick it up in verse 22. All spoke well of him, Jesus, and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And then they started saying this, isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Jesus said to them, "Surely you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, do here in your hometown what you have heard me do in Capernaum. Truly I tell you," he continued, "no prophet is accepted in his hometown." So right away, people hear Jesus teaching and they're like, "Wow, this this teacher teaches with authority and with wisdom." But then they start saying, "Well, this is Joseph's son. We saw this kid grow up." It would be like someone we see grow up in church and we say, someday, well, he's, now he's saying he's the Messiah, but that's, you know, that's one of the Cain boys, how can, we saw them grow up, you know, it would be one of those things, like, we've seen them grow up their whole life, very familiar, Be how can they be, how can that be the Messiah? And so they start questioning him, and he says, well, surely you're going to say, well, prophet, or physician, heal thyself, and you've heard it said, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. So I want to stop there and point this out. When you and maybe you've experienced this. If you decide to follow Jesus, or when you decided to follow Jesus, maybe you experience this. There's a lot of people in your life that remember the old you. They remember the old you. And you're going to go through life saying, well, God's doing a work in my life. Jesus is changing things in my life as he does. But you're going to have people who remember the old you and be like, well, no, that's not really what's going on. Church, you don't go to church. You know, that, but we used to do all these things together. Now you're saying you don't want to be a part of those things anymore. There's going to be people who remember the old you, people who are going to want to try to hold you back from what God has for your life. But Jesus changes everything. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. He changes everything. 2 Corinthians 5.17, one of my favorite verses, very familiar verse, says this, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. So someone here, maybe that's for you today. You're trying to live this new life, but the old life just keeps Dragging you back in. And you can say, No, I am a new creation. I am a new creation. Even if people say, Well, no, I remember you, the old you. We used to do all these things. No, you can say, I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. The story goes on, and now Jesus is really making these religious insiders mad. Okay, so I'm going to just summarize what goes on in the next few verses. Jesus starts to say, No prophet is welcome in his hometown. And he starts to let these people know in very direct terms, This message that I'm preaching isn't just for you insiders. It's for everybody. And he illustrates it like this. He says in the Old Testament, two of the most well-known prophets in the Old Testament, Elisha and Elijah, Jesus starts to talk about them in the verses afterwards. And he says, remember, in Elijah's day, there were widows and everyone knew you had to take care of the widows. This is what God commanded. And Jesus says to them, back in the thousand years ago in Elijah's day, there were, there were a lot of widows in Israel. But God sent Elijah to the widow who lived outside of Israel, to one of the outsiders. Same thing with Elisha. In Elisha's days, there was widows that needed to be cared for in Israel. But God sent Elisha to a widow in Syria. Outsiders. This is who God was trying to reach. And so for those religious insiders, they're like, this cannot be right. This guy is a false prophet. This guy is speaking things that aren't true because it's just messing up their way of thinking. And so we pick it up in verse 28 after Jesus has really kind of rocked the boat here a little bit. Verse 28 says this, All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. I love that story. I love that story. I imagine, well, for a couple things. I imagine wherever Jesus went home, maybe, maybe his mom was talking to him that day. So, so, honey, how was your first day on the new job, right? Well, it started out okay, but then they tried to throw me off a cliff. You know, how's the first day as the Messiah going? Well, it didn't go so well. A lot of people were angry with me. And then I also like to think, you know, this mob mentality of, we're going to throw this guy off the cliff. And probably half the people had no idea who they were even throwing off the cliff. They were just following the crowd. And Jesus, I don't know if it's because the mob was just so crazy and he was just able to walk through, or if he did some Messiah-like Jedi mind tricks on them. I like to think it was that, where he just kind of walks through the crowd. So I love imagining this crowd like, we're going to get him, we're going to throw him off the cliff. And then everyone's like, well, where is he? I thought you I thought you had him. Where did he go? And he's, he's long gone. Anyways, I love this thought that Jesus has... Up upset them so much that on day one of his message, they want to kill him. They want to throw him off a cliff because he has threatened their idea of God's grace, where they thought God was just for us, not for the outsiders. God is just for the Israelites, not for the Gentiles, not for outsiders. And Jesus has come and said, no, that's not the way it is. It is for all people. I point that out today to say this to you. God has a plan for your life, all of us. God has a plan for your life. He wants you to do something. And there are going to be days where it is not well received, okay? It might not involve a cliff, right? Hopefully, it might not involve a cliff. But there are going to be days where God is asking you to stand up for the gospel, where God is asking you maybe to make some changes in your life that other people feel threatened by, and you're not going to be well received. And I just want to remind you, this, this was Jesus, the Son of God, on day one about to be thrown off a cliff because the people weren't responding to the message. But what is the point of following God? Is it to be well-received? No. Is it to be popular or accepted? No. It is to be obedient to what God wants you to do, right? Whatever God wants you to do, whatever God wants you to share, whoever God wants you to talk to. And there are going to be times when the gospel message isn't received well, There's going to be times when that happens, and we have to be prepared to say, God, I trust you with the results. I'm going to be obedient to you. You are doing a new work in me, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to fix my eyes on you, and I'm going to take the steps that you ask me to do. And if there are days where it doesn't go well, I still give glory and thanks to you because you have called me into new life, and you keep being faithful. You keep being obedient, knowing that Jesus changes everything, and he has a work. He has a plan for you, The gospel message is in of itself good news, right? The gospel message is good news and, and you would think everybody wants to hear it. This is good news. Freedom for the captive. Good news for the poor. Sight for the blind. These are all good things. But if there's a day where it's not well received, you just say, I'm obedient to him. I'm obedient to God. Maybe you're going to share your faith with somebody, and it's not well-received, and you're like, oh, I'm never doing that again. No, you say, God, I trust you. I'm going to share the love of Jesus with people, and if it's not well-received, I trust you. Maybe God is calling you to or encouraging you to be generous with somebody, to give money to someone, and then you find out later they just they blew it, they wasted it, or they lost it all, or whatever, and you say, oh, why did that happen? And you say, God, I trust you. I'm doing what you ask me to do, and I'm going to leave the results up to you. Maybe you take a step of faith. You say, God's calling me to do this, and you step out in faith, a career change or something, whatever it is, and it just turns out to be a dead end, and you're like, oh, God, why did you ask me to do that? Well, you say simply, God, I trust you. I trust you, and if it doesn't go well, I'm going to be obedient to you. All right, we're going to jump ahead as we kind of wrap up here in a few minutes. Jump ahead to verse 42. Starting at verse 42. This is after all these things have happened. Jesus about gets thrown off a cliff, does the Jedi mind trick, I'm not the guy you're looking for, walks away from the mob. And then he goes out and starts you know, uh, you know, doing miracles, driving out evil spirits, all these things. And then we pick up the story again in verse 42 of Luke chapter 4. It says this. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place, and the people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is so interesting to me. A couple things I want to point out. First is that Jesus starts his day by finding a solitary place. Now, there are story after story in the New Testament of Jesus starting his day by going and finding a place to pray going and finding a place to talk to God. Now, this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. And he knows he can't do what God has called him to do without starting his day rooted in prayer and in the Scripture. I say this all the time. I want to encourage you. Start your day reading the Word of God. Spend some time each day reading the Bible. Spend some time in prayer. If Jesus is going to change everything, in you. And Jesus is going to call you into that plan that he has for your life. It's going to involve you being like Jesus in this, where you start your day. And maybe it's a simple prayer of God, I commit this day to you. I want to start out this day by just focusing on you and reminding myself of your call on my life because I'm going to face a hundred different things that are going to challenge me. I'm, going to, I'm facing this with my family, this with my career, this decision, all these things that are weighing me down. I must start my day focused on you or I am not going to be able to do all the things you call me to do. And this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is doing this. Finding a solitary place to pray Finding a solitary place to focus on God. To focus on what God has for us. Sorry, I'm trying to find my place in the notes here. Here we go. We must have times when we are rooted in prayer. If we're going to do what God has for us, we have to have times when we are rooted in prayer. I also love that, that verse because now the crowds are looking for him. They're wanting to be around him. Jesus has done enough miracles. We're now the mob mentality that a few verses before, we're trying to throw him off a cliff. Now they're like, Jesus is doing all these great things for us. We love him again. He's awesome. Let's find him. They're looking for him. And he says, I got to go. I got to preach to other people. And they want him just for themselves. They say, Jesus, don't travel around. We like you here. We like you here with us. You're like our own personal miracle worker. We bring sick people to you, and they get healed. Why would we want to share that? Just stay right here. This is going to be great. We promise we won't throw you off a cliff again. You know, one of those things, right? And yet Jesus says, I have to go. I have to go because there are more people. There are more people outside of here that need the message. The mob mentality had quickly changed, and now they wanted him to stay. I wonder where those cliff people were right then, if they were some of the ones, and Jesus was just like, You were wanting to throw me off a cliff like a day ago. And that's a warning to me. When I read that, that jumped out to me. I think this um, needs to be said in that as Jesus is changing everything in us, it's easy to love Jesus when things are going great, when all the changes are good, when you see prayers answered. You're like, this is awesome. Jesus is working miracles in my life. Everything's going good. But do we turn on him when he challenges us with something in our life? When he says, I want to change this area of your life. I want to disciple you through this. I want to make this adjustment. Do we, when he challenges us how we think or how we live, how we treat others, when he challenges us and says, we're going to change that, we're going to grow in that, then we start thinking, ah, I don't really like this as much. When we encounter something that Jesus is teaching us that we don't like, do we dismiss it? Or do we allow God to continue to work on us? So in other words, is your devotion to God really, really solid only when things are going well? Right? Only when God is doing the great things. When you say, man, things are going so great. I love Jesus. And then when things are going wrong, you're just like, I don't know if I want to follow him another day. And we're all going to have days where we question our faith. But it's a warning to us, these verses. Our devotion to Jesus can't be contingent on what he is doing for us. And there is a lot of faith like that in our world today, right? A lot of faith like, well, why would I want to follow God? Things aren't going well for me. No, our faith in God is above our circumstances. No matter good or bad, what is going on, we have our faith in God. And finally, as I'm wrapping up today... The final point is this. All the people wanted him to stay just with them. All the people wanted, them to, wanted Jesus to stay just with them. And he said, I got to go. I got to tell others as well. I was sent to preach the good news to everybody. So as a church, and here's kind of the takeaway points today. As a church, I want us to continue to be about two things. And you've heard me say these things before. I want us to be about growing in our faith. I want all of us to grow in our faith, to allow Jesus to change us, right? I want us to have a growing church where we are taking steps in our faith, in our trust, and in our devotion to God. And the second thing is this. I always want us to have a focus of outside our church. There are a lot of churches that will start thinking, well, we like it here like this. We like the insiders Maybe, there, maybe you've been a part of a church where it's like, man, it's just very in, everyone's just focused on the insiders. They all just wear matching red shirts, and it's really super weird. <laughs> I want our focus to be outside of this building, right? We can never, ever become a church that's just like, this is fine. Let's just keep Jesus here with us. This is fine. We'll have a carnival. We'll do lots of fun stuff. We know... That the good news is for those who are not yet here. Amen? We, are, we know that the good news is for the people who are in bondage, who are in spiritual blindness, who are broken and who are lost. And this is the point of this whole story where the, where the people around Jesus are like, just stay here with us. And he says, no, I have to go. I have to go because there's more people that need to hear the good news. There's more people that need to be reached. There are others that need to be set free. We have to be focused outside of our church. I don't want us to become a church that's inside focused. I think, you know, one of the warnings I got from this story is it's usually the insiders that end up trying to throw you off the cliff anyways, right? (laughs) I want us to be focused on those who have not yet heard the gospel. I want God to stretch us where we go outside of our comfort zone and we say, who do you want me to talk to today, God? Who do you want me to reach with your love today, Jesus? Who do you want me to serve? Who do you want me to connect with? Who do you want me to lay my life down for them so that they could also hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? It is not about those who are on the inside It's not about those who are on the inside. And I'm preaching to a lot of you who are on the inside. I'm saying it's about those who have yet to hear the good news. And I need us to always keep that in the front of our minds. And I thought it was fitting today that we highlighted this passage of Scripture because we have a big event today where hopefully, and we're praying that a lot of the community is going to come. It's just another reminder that there is a world around us that needs the love of Jesus Christ. And I want us to think of times where we do events like this where we do other kind of more attractional things, where we say, hey, come to our church and experience this. And those are going to be great things. But I also want there to be such a strong dynamic of the people in Homestead taking this light out into their world, taking the love of Jesus into your workplace, into your schools, when school starts up a long time from now in the fall. We've got lots of summer left, students, don't worry about it. But this, where God has you in your schools, where you can say, God, You might not be sending me to another part of the world to be a missionary like those we're raising money for with Speed the Light today, but I know you have sent me to my workplace because that's how God works. He wants his followers in all the schools and in all the workplaces and in all the neighborhoods so that his church can reach out in your neighborhood, in your workplace. I want us to continue to take the love of Jesus to the world around us. Reach out. Reach out. This is what God has for you. This is His plan for your life to start changing you on the inside, to start healing that brokenness that you have, that failure, that regret, whatever it is, and to heal that and to make that whole. And then in wholeness and new life, you go out and you share love and light and love of Jesus with other people, right? This is what we're going to do. God is calling you to do this. There's going to be times of testing and rejection. We see that, it happened to Jesus. There's going to be times and I want to encourage you that we have to spend time in prayer if God's going to do that work in us and through us. We have to spend time in prayer. That's what Jesus did. And we have to always be thinking outside. Have to always be thinking about those who have not yet heard. And that spirit of the Lord that Jesus said is upon me is also upon you. The same spirit that was on Jesus is on you to go into your world to go set captives free to see the eternities of lost people in our community changed by the love of God. That's what we want. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this great country that we get to live in and celebrate the freedom we have in this country, and ultimately we celebrate our freedom in you today. So, Lord, I pray for everyone here that you would continue to do that work, that changing work, that we would never be satisfied where we are, that we would continue to take steps in following you. And God, the outflow of that would be that we now share that with others, that we now share that with others. I pray for those who are struggling maybe to live that new life in Christ. People keep pulling them back. People keep remembering the old version of them. I pray that you would remind them that they are new creations, brand new in Jesus Christ. I pray for maybe those who have taken a step of faith and it has not gone well and they are in a season where they are questioning you and and your call on them. I pray that you would reaffirm to them Speak to their hearts that you are calling them, that you are with them, even through the storm, even through the darkest night, you are with them. Your plan has not changed, and you are guiding them every step. And for all of us, help us to find people in our world that could use freedom and love and light and to share that with them this week. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for letting us be a part of you advancing your kingdom and your church. Give us a wonderful afternoon today. I pray for our carnival, that there would be lots of people come from the neighborhood, that more than just fun would be had, that there would be times where we could just reach out a hand to be a a loving hand, an encouraging word to the community around us. Help everything to just be blessed and anointed of you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.